Apostle Mrs. Leanne Kofi, the founder and general overseer of the Lord's Garden Ministries, a ministry which is focused on bringing back the glory of God into the lives of people who have been battered by the world. She's a healing apostle and ministers powerfully to break people free from demonic oppressions. We believe you'll be blessed as you listen to today's word. Now, today's word. Message. Uh, I have two titles. Actually, the first title is God's Kingdom Financiers. But then, as I was penning down the inspiration of the Spirit of God in the message, the other topic that came to me was the Cyrus people. The Cyrus people. Read the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 45, verse 1 to 6. Bible says, That said the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I've holden to subdue nations before him. And I will lose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by name, I am the God of Israel." For Jacob, my servant's sake and mine elect, I have called thee by your name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I gathered thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Eternal God, I pray your breath upon your word today let this word come not only in the letter but let it come in the spirit my god unto every spirit and every life in this place in jesus name amen now this is a prophetic word spoken by the prophet isaiah about a persian king who was to be born 150 years after this prophecy so when isaiah gave this prophecy about Cyrus. Cyrus wasn't born. It was 150 years after that that Cyrus came to the scene. How amazing is that? But the prophet Isaiah accurately mentions his name and his assignment in God for the children of God. The Jews were to go into captivity, Babylonian captivity for 70 years for their constant disobedience, idol worship, you know, and things that did not glorify God. The prophet Jeremiah prophesied about this in Jeremiah chapter 29. I believe there's a portion there which we love so much, but we ought to always read the entirety of the, 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 the chapter or the scripture to understand. The Bible said, now these are the words of the letter. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people whom the book had Nazar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So Jeremiah is writing this letter to the people who have been carried away as captives into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all they that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, dwell in them, Plant gardens, eat the fruit of them, take wives, beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, 
and give your daughters husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the, the peace of the city, wherein I've caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto God for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in your midst deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you have caused to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished in Babylon, I will visit you and I will perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Then the part that we all love. For I know the thoughts. I think towards you, <coughs> say the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then you shall call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will listen to you. You shall seek me and you'll find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. And I'll be fond of you, said the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I'll gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, said the Lord, and I'll bring you again to the place where I've called you to be carried away captives. Amen. So here was a letter that Jeremiah wrote <coughs> to the people that had been carried into Babylonian captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. He said in the letter to them that, listen, this is what God is saying, that where you are right now, build houses, dwell in them, get married, have children, marry for your children, because the people of the mind that they will soon be going home. But he was saying that you're going to be here for a long time. So settle. Because I'm coming for you after 70 years. Amen. So don't let your prophets deceive you that tomorrow you'll be liberated. You are going back. Because you're going to be here for 70 years. So just live your life. Continue with your life. Build houses. You know, give birth. Let your sons and daughters have children and move on. So you'll not be diminished. But you rather increase. You know, there's a time when you think that Something's about to happen, so you put everything on hold. But God says, keep on moving on, even in the time of the wait. So God was telling them through the prophet Jeremiah that they will be there for 70 years. And after 70 years, he said he will come for them. But God was going to use a man to liberate them, to go back to Jerusalem. And that man is or was the king Cyrus. Okay? Now, Cyrus was not a Jew. Cyrus was a Persian. He was a heathen. But in time to come, when Nebuchadnezzar became proud, God used Cyrus to you know, over, over, overthrow um, Babylon, and he ruled over the Jews. And God had appointed Cyrus as a deliverer, as a messiah to the Jews, to cause them to return back to Jerusalem. Because when Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem, they destroyed the city, burned down the temple. There was nothing left. But God had prophesied through Isaiah, as I read to you before, that he was going to strengthen him, he's going to anoint him, going to empower him to subdue nations. And it came to pass, he did subdue Nebuchadnezzar. And God said he was going to give him power over the nations. God did it. And God said he would go before him and perfect everything that concerns him. God did it. God said to him that he would break and destroy every impediment in his way. God did it. And God, God gave him great financial wealth. Amen. He said, I will give you the treasures of darkness. Oh, yes, you can clap your hands onto that. <coughs> it's a good place to clap. 
God said that I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Amen. God gave Cyrus great financial wealth. Why did God do all this for Cyrus? It was for a purpose. Amen. God had a plan. Amen. And in that plan, Cyrus was going to be the deliverer of Israel. And he spoke again to Isaiah, again in the chapter 44 of the book of Isaiah. He said that Cyrus, specifically said, Cyrus is my shepherd. Amen. And he will perform all my pleasure. So here was God picking, you know, let's say an unknown person. Somebody who they wouldn't think about to be a deliverer, but he was the one that God had chosen. Amen. And for the reason that he had chosen Cyrus, anointed him, empowered him, enriched him, you know, strengthened him. He said, for my elect sake, for Jacob, my servant's sake, and for Israel, my elect sake, the wealth and the power that God gave to Cyrus was not for Cyrus per se. It was in order for Cyrus to be able to accomplish the prophecy and the word of God. Amen. For the sake of his people, God had chosen Cyrus, called him by name, forged a very strong bond with Cyrus. He had blessed Cyrus and he had made Cyrus great. But I want to tell you something this morning. Listen to me. There's some kind of wealth and some kind of standing in life that God doesn't give to just anybody. Amen. God will bring you to a certain place because of something. Amen. God doesn't give people influence for nothing. You find out that today, if you look at the Bill Gates of this world, they are you know, strong in helping the poor. They are strong in alleviating diseases like malaria and HIV AIDS. They are using their wealth, their influence to be a blessing to the world. You find other people who have been given wealth and they do not use it for the purpose to which it's been given often are diminished. You find them diminishing slowly. Amen. Because the purpose of God for giving and even for the anointing, when God anoints you as a person and you, you do not use the anointing and you don't use it wisely, you find that it diminishes because the anointing is not for show. The anointing is not for popularity. The anointing is for the helping of breaking of yokes, of delivering, of salvation, of bringing people's life into the order and the plan of God. Amen. So everything that God does in our lives is for a purpose. So if the wealth that God has given you, the anointing God has given you, the influence that God has given you is not being used for its right purpose, it soon diminishes. Slowly, but a bit, it will diminish. Amen. So God said to Abram in the day that he called him, he said, get thee out of your country and out of your kindred from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation. One, and I'll bless you and make your name great. He doesn't stop there. He said, and thou shalt be a blessing. The purpose of God calling Abram was to raise a people for himself. And he said to Abram that through you and through your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Today, through the seed of Abraham, who is the Christ, we are all blessed. That we are no longer outcasts, but we have come, to, we've been brought in, we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. Amen. So God's blessing upon Abraham was not for Abraham per se, 
Of course, he will enjoy it. But it was for the purpose of raising a posterity that will eventually bring forth the Christ that will be a blessing of salvation to all mankind. Praise the Lord. Amen. Joseph also was carried into Egypt. His brother sold him as a slave into Egypt. They thought they were harming him. But they didn't know that they were fulfilling the plan of God for his life. And so in the day when Joseph's brethren stood before him, shamefaced and terrified that Joseph would take revenge on them, he did no such thing. He said to them, listen, you meant it for evil, but God actually sent me here to preserve a posterity, to preserve a people. Because if Joseph hadn't gone to Egypt, when the famine came, there would have been no foreknowledge and the people would have died. And indeed, Israel too would have died wherever they were. Amen. And so we see that even Joseph's promotion and increase was for the purpose of preserving a people. Hallelujah. Are, are we together this morning? We are blessed to be a blessing. Israel, in the day they left Egypt also, were told by God to go and ask their neighbors for their wealth, their gold, their silver, their clothes, their raiment. And they did. And surprisingly, their neighbors were willing to give it to them. They gave to them whatever they had, whatever they asked for. But it wasn't for their own self-glory. Because what are you going to do with gold and silver in the wilderness? Amen. What are you going to do with badger skin and ram skin and dyed wool in the wilderness? But God had a plan. God had a plan. Amen. It was for the purpose of building God a tabernacle that he may dwell with him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So in the day that God said to Moses, tell the people that bring me an offering that you may build my tabernacle. God did it with boldness. And I heard my spirit this morning that God will never ask of you anything that he will not give to you first. Excuse my language. Foolish demands. Amen. Before he asks us of anything, he knows he's given us the ability and the capacity. Praise the Lord. So they asked for onyx stones, gold, silver, and everything. And in the day that they built the tabernacle, they used the stones for the ephod, the priest's clothes, garment. Amen. And they used the ram's skin and badger skin you know, to stretch forth, to stretch the, 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 the sanctuary, the tabernacle, for the purpose of God dwelling with them. Hallelujah. Amen. God made a demand up on them after he had given them wealth. Amen. And I say once again, God will never make a demand upon you that he hasn't given you that grace for. He will provide for. He will make way. Amen. Abraham and Isaac and the ram is also another example. God asked for a sacrifice. Meanwhile, he had a ram prepared already. So it wasn't God's intention for Abraham to kill Isaac. It was a test to see where Abraham's heart was. Amen. But God had prepared a ram. And I think they're switching over. I hope they're switching over. So God powered Cyrus with military strength. Praise the Lord. So God anointed Cyrus, empowered him with military strength and with financial strength. Amen. In order for the prophetic word of Jeremiah and Isaiah, thank you, 
to be fulfilled. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and Cyrus did the work, you know, perfectly. Amen. If, I, if you look at what Cyrus did, it was amazing. In thinking that he was not a Jew. Bible says that God stirred up the heart of Cyrus. The book of Ezra 1 will tell us that. Bible says now in the first year of King Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, so that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout the land, throughout his kingdom, and also put it in writing saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven, this is somebody who is an unbeliever, but God was able to stir up his heart. And he said, and he wrote, that the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me to build him a temple, a house in Jerusalem. Oh, somebody praise the Lord. This is a heathen king who did not serve or worship Yahweh. But God was able to stir up his heart. And the instruction to him was clear. That build me a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. He gave him directions also. Then he said, who among you of the, his people, his God be with him. And let him go back to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord. Now, this was a people in captivity. These were people who were now in slavery. And then this king comes and says that God says that I should build my house in Jerusalem. Which among you want to go back home? Who wants to go back home? Because God will be with him. And so in essence, he was freeing the people to go back. Liberating them. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody give the Lord a great clap offering this morning. And he said that not only that, that wherever any of them who want to go dwell, the people that are in that place to help them with silver and gold and with goods and with beasts. Aside of that, they should give them also free will offerings so that they will use it to build the house of God in Jerusalem. This man, a heathen. And then he also did more. What he did was that all the treasures that were in the temple, the first temple in Jerusalem, that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away the vessels from which he was drinking the night that God smote him. He gave all to them that take it, rebuild the temple, and refurnish it. Gave all. Hallelujah. This is the man Cyrus I am talking about. And so Cyrus brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem, and had put in the house of his gods. And Cyrus gave them all to them. And he also appointed that the building of the temple should also be paid for from the coffers of his kingdom. <clears throat> Cyrus's heart was stirred up by God to help the Jews who were in captivity to go back to rebuild the temple. And not only the temple, but to rebuild Jerusalem. You know, when the time of God comes for a rebuilding in your life, when the time of God comes for a restoration in your life, nothing can stop it. And you'll be surprised the avenues and the kind of people God can use. I mean, this was the most unlikely 
person, but he was the one that God used. Amen. He said, God has first of all given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and God has given me a charge. Amen. And that is what the Bible says in Proverbs, I think the chapter 21. He says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. As rivers of water, he turns it in any direction that he so desires. Hallelujah. He turns it in any direction. So Cyrus assisted the Jews under Zerubbabel and um, Joshua the high priest to go back to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And they restored the temple. Amen. They built it. Ezra talks about it. And the, 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 the temple was beautiful. Amen. At its finish. Amen. Now this act of Cyrus was not just for the rebuild of the temple, but it also restored the worship of God. Because without the temple, the people went after idols. They went to the high places, serving idols. But once the temple was built and the people were returned to Jerusalem, they went back into the worship of God. And historians have it that that is where Judaism started. They went back to the worship of God. The decree of Cyrus changed and transformed the, the face of worship in Israel. God used Cyrus to restore true worship unto God and also to bring the captives back home and to rebuild Jerusalem. God gave Cyrus power over the nations, power to conquer in battles, treasures, riches, and a title. <coughs> the modern day Cyrus is today, <coughs> pardon me, the modern day Cyrus is today are you and I. Amen. That's what I said. I titled my message, secondly, the Cyrus people. We are the modern day Cyruses. Amen. That God is using and will use to rebuild the lives of people, build up the lives of people, bring salvation to the lost, deliverance to the captives, light to the places where darkness has taken over. We are the modern day Cyruses. Amen. Bible says that how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news. Who bring the news that our God reigns. Amen. The feet of those who go, you know, preaching the word, you know, delivering the press, announcing that our God reigns. Bible says are beautiful. But the book of Romans chapter 10, reading from verse 13, says that, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call upon him of whom they have not heard or believed? And how shall they believe if they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Then Paul also echoes it, that it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things that our God reigns. Modern day Cyruses are people whose hearts have been stirred to build up the work of God, like you. Yeah, I wish you clap for yourself. God giving us the grace. There's one thing that God impresses upon my heart, and that is to bring to you an understanding of who you really are, and an understanding of what you are really doing. See, because sometimes it may seem to you that okay, I'm giving to the, I'm giving to the ministry. I'm giving. It's not just a giving you are doing. It's not just giving. Amen. You must understand. It's not just giving. You are changing lives. You are 
changing lives, transforming lives. You are bringing destinies into divine fulfillment. You are delivering lives, healing the sick, saving the lost. The things that, you know, the enemy would have done to certain people had it not been because you sent somebody you, you, you cannot imagine. I came back from London on Wednesday night. And I went for two reasons. One was for a funeral. Funeral of my niece. And she died just like that. She wasn't sick, really. She slept and she didn't wake up. 47 years old. Beautiful. Beautiful girl. Just died. But in all this, her uncle was also, was also a pastor. He's a bishop of a church. And in August last year, he went for a surgery. The surgery was um, a surgery for a goiter, which had been growing in him. And you know, goiters normally grow out. His grew in. So that you even think something's happening. So he kept on growing in, and he grew in, 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 into his chest cavity and everything. And so it came to a time when he could even sip a glass of water freely. To even drink water, it, was, it took an effort. It was then that they realized that no, they had to go in. So this was a very major operation. And in the operation, they had to cut here, cut his check, cut his back. But somewhere, what, I don't know what happened. This very skilled surgeon, the best I hear, cut his throat, cut his striker. Yeah. Cut him. And they had to fix it back. And he died for 45 minutes. And in trying to resuscitate him, they pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed and broke his bone here and broke his ribs. For 45 minutes he was gone. But you see, they didn't tell him that when he came around. It was when we went that he told us that he went for a check and the doctor said, I cannot believe you. Who are you? Because for 45 minutes, you were dead. And you know, when he was in the hospital, I used to call him, we used to pray every day. He couldn't speak. For almost a month, he had no voice. He couldn't speak. And so I had to keep on saying, talk and the command, speak, command, through. praying, praying. Everybody was praying for his church, was praying, friends all over the world were praying. He got his voice back gradually. He'll be here, God willing, in a few months. He says he'll come and testify. And tomorrow he's testifying at his church. And the doctor says he's coming to the church to witness, to, to testify also. But for 45 minutes, this man of God was dead. And, you know, his life seemed that that was it. But he came back to life. And, you know, if, if you, you, and his, everything was shut down. If you are shut down for even five minutes, you will come out a vegetable. Praise be to God. He's well, he's alive, talking, doing everything, driving. That day was, I said, Pastor Victor, don't drive. He said, I have to drive. You know, but he's well. God preserved his life. For what reason? For the sake of posterity, for, for people's life. He said, what I'm telling you is that, you see, what you do as covenant partners singles you out on a different plane. You are not among the ordinary. You may not see it. So I'm giving to the church, I'm giving to the ministry. No, 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 it's not just giving. Because somebody can just come and give. 
but you must understand what you are really doing. You are transforming lives, changing lives, empowering lives, bringing fulfillment to the destinies of men, women, and children. And I'm talking about eternal destinies, not just in the here and the now, but eternally. Because when they are saved, it is forever. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So you are the modern day Cyruses whose hearts are stirred up to build up the kingdom of God. When Jesus walked the face of the earth and in his three and a half years ministry, he had many Cyruses who were with him. And the Lord was just ministering to me, some of them. The little boy with the five loaves of bread and two fish. He was like a Cyrus. I mean, most little lads or little boys will not give you their lunch. Can you imagine a seven-year-old boy is going to a function and, and, and his mother has packed his lunch for him. and said, give us your lunch. It will be a wild outcry. But this boy gave his lunch, his little lunch. And the disciples of Jesus said, what is this among so many? They thought, they, they, they thought that it was nothing. When they looked at the multitude, said, we, we, there, there's no place to buy food. There's only a little boy here with five loaves of bread. And I'm sure, you know, if you're giving a little boy five loaves of bread, you're not giving him loaves. Like maybe some donut size, you know, but five of them. And two fish, maybe two little pieces of fish. That was it. And they said, what is that? What is so little among so many? It's not about how much. It's about the blessing of God upon whatever it is. Jesus lifted it up and Bible says he gave thanks for the little and it was multiplied to feed a multitude. Hallelujah. Whatever you are doing for the kingdom of God, whatever you are doing for the lives of people, for generations now and for generations yet unborn, it is not little in the sight of God. It is a great thing. It is big. Amen. So there was a modern day Cyrus right there. There were also in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, women, I call them women of substance. The Bible said it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and every village, preaching and teaching the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. And certain women, somebody said certain women, yeah, who had been healed of evil spirits and diverse diseases of infirmities. For example, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's servant, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered to him of their substance. <coughs> so these women followed Jesus and the disciples from town to town, from village to village, providing substance. After hard doing, preaching, casting out devils, healing the sick, they would come back to camp, and there would be food provided by these women, and I'm sure many others. These are women whose hearts were stirred up in them. Because, you know, somebody can be delivered of seven devils and afterwards pick up a bag and say, thank you, and they are gone. Somebody can also be delivered of 18 demons and say, I don't even remember you. I don't know you. Yeah. I've gone to certain places. I've met people whom I've by the grace of God, delivered, you know, with all my strength and with the come out and everything. And they blanked me. One old lady blanked me like that. I was looking at her. I said, are you for real? She blanked me like that. She didn't know me. 
All right. It's all right. It's okay. So people can do that. But we are talking about people whose hearts are stirred within them. The modern day Cyrus is like you. What you feel, the reason why you are giving to this ministry is not because maybe you just want to. There's a stirring in your spirit. There's something in your heart. There's something that God has deposited in your heart. And that makes you want to. Amen. Because like Cyrus, there is a prophecy over your life and over your destiny. There's something about your life that channels you in this direction. God is taking you somewhere. And it is tied up to whatever you are doing in the now. Praise the Lord. These women had been delivered and they followed and they had their hearts stirred and they ministered of their substance. Peter, I also consider a modern day Cyrus. Because he had a boat, a fishing boat. And Jesus went to him and said, can I use your boat as you know, an altar to preach? Because they put a lot. And when he stands like this, they can't see him, but if he got the boat and stood in the boat, he'll be elevated. And so Peter said, yeah, you can use my boat. So he stood in the boat and preached. And after the whole work was finished, he said to Simon Peter, Simon, launch out into the deep. And said, Master, you don't understand. We've told all night and we've caught nothing. And you're asking me to cast my net in the hot Afternoon, when the fishes are looking at me, I'm looking at the fishes. No. But he said, but nevertheless, at your word, I will let down my net. And he did. And Bible said they enclosed a great multitude of fish. And it filled the boat. And they had to call other boats to take some of the catch. It was so much. What am I telling you? Listen, there is nothing that you have given, will ever give have ever done for this work of God that has not brought you a reward. No, no, no. It has brought you a reward. Maybe not in the way you think. I remember some time ago, somebody was telling me that she had a revelation about how when she pays a tithe in her church, she thinks that it will come back in money. But she realized that she had come from a flight and she had heard about a plane crash. And she realized that even... Her being protected on that flight itself was part of the blessing of God for her tithe. So sometimes God will manifest his goodness to us in different ways. But I am confident that God has blessed you some way, somehow, because of your Cyrus heart. Amen. For this work of God. Amen. As I said to you, this man of God was dead 45 minutes. How come he came alive? He was deadly sick. And sadly, I mean, not sad that he didn't die, but sad that his knees did die. He was to be discharged on Monday morning. That mon Monday morning, she never woke up. And she wasn't sick. Mercy somehow found him. And I prayed God this morning that may that same mercy find you and I all the days of our lives. He said that with the merciful, he shows himself merciful. And with the forward, he shows himself forward. Peter's boat was used to minister unto others. A boat. Amen. But afterwards, Jesus said, launch into the deep. And Peter enclosed such a great multitude of fish that he could not even handle it. The last 
what I want to talk about is on last. Uh, let me make it the last. Joseph of Arimathea. So, as the Holy Spirit was ministering to me, I just kept on seeing them throughout the, 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 the Word of God. <coughs> Joseph of Arimathea was a very rich man. He was a secret disciple of Christ because his standing in society would not allow him to openly say that he believed in the, 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 the Jew whom they called a bastard. No. So he was a secret disciple. When Jesus was crucified, he went to Pilate because he was a man of influence. And that's how come God is going to make all of you men and women of influence. Are you understanding me? You will not be small. No, no. You'll be men and women of influence for the sake of the kingdom. Amen. He was a man of influence because nobody could have gone to Pilate and said, release the body to me. No, this was a highly protected body. But when he went to Pilate and said, release the body to me, Pilate commanded that the body be delivered to him. And he took the body and he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb. Because he had bought his own tomb that when he dies, that's where they should bury him. But he went and put Jesus there. And they, they rolled a great stone on it. And then he left. Amen. Men and women of influence. God will give you influence for the sake of the kingdom. The, let me add one more, then I stop. The woman who came to anoint Jesus with oil, with an alabaster box of pure spit blood. She, she, she said it was a whole year's salary that she used to buy this precious ointment in a very precious jar, alabaster. If it's today, we say it's from, it was from abroad. It's not the local type. Very expensive. And she came and she did not pour. She broke the box. That was a sacrifice she made. And she poured the oil on his head and anointed him. And some were angry. I was somewhat indignant. They said, ah, what a waste of money. Couldn't this oil have been sold for money to be given to the poor? And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you troubling her? She has done a good work in me. For the poor you have with you always. And you can always do them good. But me, you will not have with you always. They said, she has done what she could. She has come to anoint my body for the burying. You see, when people die in those days, they will embalm them with spices you know, and things to make the body fine before they wrap it in linen and then put it away. But look at Jesus' death. There was no time for that. They killed him. Joseph came for him, wrapped him, and put him in, 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 the, in, 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 in the tomb. But this woman, ahead of time, Jesus said, she has come to anoint me ahead of time for my burial. So whatever was supposed to be done for him when he dies, she did it before he died. Praise the Lord. A good place to clap your hands. You know, there's something we call strategic giving. Amen. And that was a strategic one. Because she didn't know Jesus was going to die. But something was stirred up in her heart to go and buy that oil. Put it in that alabaster box. Break it. Anoint his body. Something was stirred in her heart. Little did she know that it was for the purpose of his burial. But Jesus said it. He said she has done this for the purpose 
of my burial. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. And then listen to this one. He said, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, and also, and this also that she has done shall be spoken to her for a memorial. So not only has she performed a good work on him, but Jesus said that forever and ever, when this is mentioned, she will be, or her act will be a memorial, a thing of remembrance forever, even as we are remembering her today. And this is where we stand today. This is where you and I stand today. As modern day Cyruses, amen, doing things that our hearts have been stirred to for the purpose of building up the kingdom of God. Many of the things that we are doing today is, may, may not, we may not even see, you know, it manifests today, but we, it will come to pass. There are some of you here, you saw the ministry in this inception. Some of you are maybe 23 years old as covenant partners. That day I, I was going through our, a box with pictures with Pastor Abian, I think Emmanuel, and we saw pictures, covenant partners meeting. They will all be released when we have the anniversary in the anniversary magazine. Some of you look like 12 years old, very young and girls and boys. But even then you were giving. Did we ever imagine today? I didn't imagine today. I didn't see today. But God foreknew, and he called us together to this work. And so I know that there's more ahead of us, which we don't see today. But we will get there. We will come to it. And whatever we have done and whatever we are doing today will, will, will be for posterity. Posterity will come, and, and, and our works will, will, will be that which will build up the generations yet unborn. The world that we live in today, we see more and more is becoming more and more antichrist. The church and the values of Christianity must be upheld. But if we are silenced because of lack or need, then what happens? What happens? Today, throughout the world, in many nations, they have lifted gay rights above Christian rights. So Christians don't have a voice. But gays have a voice. LGBTQ, EZF, RN, whatever. They have a voice. But the other people don't have a voice. And this is just the beginning, brethren. This is just the beginning. So if there's ever a time where we must press in more into the work of God, it is now. It is now. Because like as we see it in many countries where churches are being used as pubs and um, gambling centers, and hotels and hostels. People are sleeping in church buildings. Buildings that were dedicated unto God today are living quarters for people. Then we must understand that if it's happened there, if we also do not stand, if our hearts are not stirred up to the work of the kingdom, we will see that day. But I pray God, I pray God, that the, the little input that we are putting in as pastors, as covenant partners in this work will preserve a generation for Christ. Preserve a generation for God. Amen. And I know that prophecy is being fulfilled in all our lives. May the Lord bless you, all you modern day Cyruses. And may God raise a memorial 
for you out of everything that you are doing. May there be remembrance of you by God and by heaven for everything that you do. If we today see churches in certain areas, it's because of you. Amen. God gives the vision, but you have been the hands. And so I pray that modern day Cyrus says, may God empower you. May God anoint you all more and more. May God give you strength, strength to conquer in life. May God give you financial strength, empower you financially so much that it will even beat your imagination. And above all, may God preserve your lives, you and your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray. Tell our God, thank you, my God. And this is your word. And this is how you see your people, oh God. As a people that you have separated <coughs> unto yourself, called your own, empowered, oh God, and graced, my God, to co-labor with you in your work. This morning, having delivered your word to them, I ask that, Lord, let every blessing that comes, my God, with this covenant relationship come upon their lives. Bless their lives, oh God, and keep them. And may their remembrance be continually before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's word. Connect with us on our website, www.tlgm.org. Get interactive with Apostle on all social media platforms at Apostle Leanne Coffey.